Hey, I'm Asher. And I'm Jackson. And what you're about to listen to is strictly confidential. How do you want to start this episode, Jackson? Uh, I don't know. Uh, anything crazy happened to you since we last talked? Um, honestly, what I'm most excited about right now is that after we finish recording, I'm going to build a bed frame. I've had a mattress on the floor for the past five years. And man, as a kid, I thought that having a mattress on the floor was just about the coolest thing. And I don't know if I saw some sitcom or like, I guess it wasn't Hey Arnold because he had a bed frame. I just thought that having a mattress on the floor was equivalent with being a cool college kid. And yeah. I was stoked to finally move out and just throw my mattress among the dust bunnies and the filth and just feel like, I don't know, there's some level of freedom, you know, like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not bound by this bed frame. Yeah. Um, I, let me tell you that mystique wears off big time when you, uh, when you're, <laughs> when you're a college graduate and you have a, your own apartment that you're paying for with your own money and you're just sleeping on the floor like an animal and you realize that you're, it's really just an expensive dog bed at that point. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, when you think about it, everything is a different level of expensive dog bed. But <laughs> um, I think that, like, I had that same vision, too, and I was like, this is what single men do when they yeah. graduate, and then they, when they graduate high school and they move on to adult life. But I think that when I lived with four other guys, my roommate and I took it to the next level of, of hip singlehood, and we just put a pallet underneath our mattress. <laughs> And I think that, yes, there, there is like a laziness to just having your mattress completely on the floor. But there's some sort of like poetic laziness to thinking that putting it on a pallet changes that in any way. <laughs> I'm a few extra inches above the filth. I have to step up a little bit higher, but there's still no cushioning underneath the mattress. So did you buy the bed frame or are you hand no, making it? <laughs> no, I, I'm not as, uh, not as much of a skilled craftsman as you are. Jackson made his own entertainment center thing, and it's very impressive. Uh, I just ordered it online, and you might be wondering, how do you ship a queen-size bed frame in such a way that you can conveniently package it? Uh, You don't. It's a bulky mess, and getting it up the stairs was a real feat. The real excitement is that now I'm going to have this, my my mattress is going to be off the floor, and now I have all this extra storage space underneath. And really, like, when when company comes under there, comes over, like, anything could be hidden under there. It's kind of like the Pirates of the Caribbean ride. There could be anything under there, right? Yeah, anything. The sky's the limit. Yeah, but probably there's a much greater chance that Walt Disney himself is frozen and stored underneath the Pirates of the Caribbean ride. I'm excited to hear more. So that's what we're talking about today. We teased it last week. I want to talk about whether or not Disney is actually cryogenically frozen. And I know this is cliche. Specifically the Walt Disney. The Walt Disney, the one that you're thinking of now. This is... I mean, it was kind of essential. We almost didn't want to do this one. Every week we seem to say, like, I was really excited to get to this one. At first, we didn't want to do this one because it's kind of trite. I think I'm using the word correctly. It's cliche. But I did get interested in trying to uncover where this rumor got started. Why this is such a ubiquitous thing. Like, just about everyone who knows the man, Walt Disney, knows this. That he's frozen under This conspiracy. Yeah, like, it's... It's actually amazing how widespread this rumor is. And I became really interested in finding out how something that's seemingly ridiculous became so ubiquitous. And in my search, 
I found uh, many interesting things, Jackson, many interesting things. So let's get a nice orbital view of this topic here. I don't want to make any assumptions, and I don't want to leave out any details that are relevant to this conversation. So cryogenically frozen. Do you really know what cryonics is, Jackson? Um, I want to say yes, but that's out of like a, a misguided pride thing where I want to pretend I know a lot of things. I have no idea. <laughs> Well, thankfully, what you, you what your the um, pop culture understanding is pretty close to the truth. Chronics okay. is the low temperature preservation of people who cannot be sustained by contemporary medicine or services, with the hope that resuscitation and restoration to full health may be possible in the far future. Okay, so, so cryopreservation. Go ahead. I I already have a question. Okay, so uh, we know. I think the big example everybody knows of cryogenically freezing somebody is uh, Star Wars, right? Oh, Han Solo. I didn't even think of that, but yeah. Yeah, and so uh, in the in the sixth movie, uh, there's a small spoiler here, but Han Solo is taken out of the cryogenically frozen system, right? Yes. So I was always under the impression that Disney bought Star Wars because they cryogenically froze Walt Disney, and then they didn't know how to get him out. <laughs> and they're like, well, there's a template right here. And they were like, well, Star Wars is only a couple billion or trillion dollars. I bet they have the answer. <laughs> I've seen them do it. I mean, the, the other theory that I can't take credit for, and I wish I knew where this came from, was that Disney created the movie, that Disney named the movie Frozen, so that when people Googled Disney Frozen, they would no longer get to a path that led them to the truth. It would instead take them to more sanitized Disney content. That is so clever. Which is absolutely the case, because when I was Googling this, the first thing I put in is, is Disney Frozen. And the and first thing you got is... Well, the first thing I got was a YouTube clip of, I don't know, Olaf screaming about something. Yeah. I mean, the reason the, the reason I love my little Star Wars theory is because it makes me imagine like the executives at Disney being like, okay, this documentary series, Star Wars, has gotten a lot of publicity. <laughs> and they seem to know something we don't, and we need Walt here fast. Well, let's continue on with the facts. With more so, facts, you mean. More facts. <laughs> so what we know is that Walt Disney, at the age of 65 passed away in 1966, December 15th. And we know that his burial and his funeral procession was held very quickly afterwards. We know that Disney knew that he was in very, very poor health. He was a lifetime smoker. And finally, in November, the same year, an x-ray revealed a large tumor in his left lung. He was told that he had six months to two years to live, but actually, Walt only lasted 34 days. And succumbed to the lung cancer in December. So after he found out about this tumor, it was only a matter of days before his health deteriorated rapidly and he eventually died in 66. Well, supposedly. Well, supposedly. Well, that's the thing about um, cryonics and the criteria of cryonics is that you don't freeze the person when they're alive. It's, ideally, it's mere minutes after death because hmm. you're trying to prevent information-theoretic death. Okay. which is a really scary and complicated sounding term, but it's not that difficult to understand. Information theoretic death is a term that's used within the field of cryonics, which talks about the scrambling of information within a brain to such an extent that recovery to the original person becomes theoretically impossible. So basically within the still questionable field of cryonics, they kind of have a different definition for death, where death is the point where you can't recover the information within a person's brain. Not the point where they're no longer functioning, and the, uh, it's, it's a little bit farther beyond the current medical definition of death. 
Okay, so think about think about the um the scrambled egg brain of Inception. Yeah, it's essentially like that would be information theoretic death is where their their brain is so far gone that there's just no bringing them back. Okay, I just want to say that from the start of this podcast, like the start of us doing this show, I never thought we would say anything as like scientifically intense as information theoretical death. <laughs> yeah, I uh, like that phrase is well above. I, I mean, I don't know what it is above, but it's definitely above, like, normal stuff I thought we'd be talking about. <laughs> like, like Scooby-Doo. Yeah, like, we talked about the documentary series Scooby-Doo for, like, 15 minutes, and 10 minutes into this recording, you've already talked about information theoretical death. I'm intrigued. Well, why is someone being cryogenically frozen? This is a term that's been around for a while. Mm-hmm. Why is this still, why is it so ridiculous? Why is it so scientific? Like, why is it so sci-fi, Right. Why is this a conspiracy theory at all and not just something that's fact or something that's commonly understood? Like, 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 what's the best way to phrase this? Like, like something that, something that genuinely kind of makes sense like this. Why is it not something that we talk about as like a, a science thing and instead something we talk about as like a, like a science fiction thing? Right, exactly. Cause like, it's like, it's, it's like there's a grand conspiracy, a pop culture conspiracy that's like such, like this celebrity was, uh, man, I guess it's really hard to draw a comparison. I'm going to need a second. Like, okay, let's go to another field of study that's only partly accepted and the, quine- the science is questionable, like equine therapy, like horse therapy. So let's say there's a, there's a, it comes out later that this celebrity underwent equestrian therapy. Like, that wouldn't be a conspiracy theory. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Right, because it's just a thing. Right. Well, at the time, it wasn't so much of just a thing that it is now. The popularization of cryogenic freezing definitely was some fi- sci-fi stuff in the 60s. And it seems like the, the uh, cultural popularization of, cryo- of cryonics started in 1964. You'll okay. notice just a few years before Disney's death, a book came out by Robert C.W. Ediger called The Prospect of Immortality. Huh. Very, very intriguing name. So Ediger's book drawing on much of the available literature about cryonics, covered the practical, legal, ethical, and moral impact of freezing and reviving human beings. Ediger, while admitting that the science had, had, as of yet, no way of reviving frozen human beings, he was optimistic that a viable means of reanimation would eventually be found. So in his book, he states, The fact, at very low temperatures, it is possible right now, in 1964, to preserve dead people with essentially no deterioration indefinitely. The assumption, then, if civilization endures, is that medical science will eventually be able to repair almost any damage to the human body, including freezing damage and uh, senile debility or another cause of death. Hence, we need only arrange to have our bodies frozen after we die, stored in suitable freezers, against the time when the science may be able to help us. So this was a wildly popular book in the mid-60s. Okay. And seemed... It, it was easy to understand, and it seemed plausible. And so at, the, at that time, it was sci-fi, but everyone also believed it was a very possible thing. Kind of like right now, an, automatic, like a, an automatically driving car. Yeah. Like, I, I definitely see that as like, a, okay, I'm sitting in the car and just telling it where to go in something like Star Wars or yeah, it, some it, other it's sci-fi. Yeah, sci-fi, but it was seen as very near future, right? Yeah. Okay. Like I can, like it's it, the science may not be entirely there for us to completely trust vehicles to drive us where we want to go, but it's pretty easy to imagine a world where that's the case. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So if this is popular, this is in popular culture, 
wouldn't Disney, the man behind Epcot, wouldn't he be interested in something like that? It just makes sense. So it, it's we're already seeing this trajectory where this this rumor could get started because it makes a lot of sense for Disney to be interested in it. Right. I mean, I want to like I just want to go ahead and say that I completely believe that he's cryogenically frozen under there. Okay, well, now that I know that you believe it, let's jump over to Mental Floss, who has a very short, what is supposed to be nail in the coffin, called Disney on Ice, The Truth About Walt Disney and Cryogenics. That's a good title. It is. Contrary to belief, they say, Disney was cremated two days after his death, not frozen. After decades of speculation, his family finally decided they were tired of the rumor mill. The little myth probably got started in 1972 when Bob Nelson, then the president of the Cryonics Society of California, gave an interview to the Los Angeles Times. And I want you to really catch this, so pay attention. Okay. Though what he specifically said was that Walt was not cryogenically frozen, even going so far as to say they had him cremated. I personally have seen his ashes. What people like remembered from the article was the statement that Walt Disney wanted to be frozen. He based this theory on the fact that Walt Disney Studios called Nelson prior to Disney's death and asked elaborate questions about the process, the facilities, the staff, and their history. The truth is, Walt missed out, Nelson said. He never specified it in writing, and when he died, the family didn't go for it. Two weeks later, we froze the first man. If Disney had been the first, it would have made the headlines around the world and been a real shot in the arms for cryonics. So mystery solved, according to Mental Floss. Walt is not on ice. He is at the Forest Lawn Cemetery in Glendale, California, buried with his wife, daughter, and son-in-law. I see Done one, and done, huh? I see one problem with that. I see several problems with that, but I want to hear what you, see, what you see first. I think mine's the most important problem with this, but I'm interested to see where you go. Um, just play with me in this space for a second. If I get mm-hmm. cremated, right? Mm-hmm. I'm typically put in an urn or something, or if you're... Uh, Zach Galifianakis, a, a coffee can. Um, yeah. <laughs> or I guess uh, even the, the guy from Big Lebowski. But that's uh, neither here nor there. If I'm putting an urn, my, or if I'm cremated, my ashes are put in that urn, correct? Right. What, how, how, do, how does anybody else know that those are my ashes in there? Yeah, right. Like if, like if I wasn't sure I was going to be able to come back from dying, but I wanted other people to know or think that I was dead... How hard would it be as one of the richest men in America for me to just get somebody else's ashes? Yeah. Well, let's go back to some actual facts. And again, this is another article. This is Snopes uh, over here that's disproving it. What has made me suspicious and what might actually push me towards believing Disney is frozen is all the arguments against him being frozen are so inconsistent and weirdly harder to believe And the information they bring up to debunk the myth only makes it more believable. So, here's a fact. Disney's funeral service was held in secret. So, according to Snopes, Disney's funeral was not secret. Rather, it was private, conducted quickly and quietly at a little-known church at 5 p.m. on a Friday. No announcement of the funeral was made until after it took place, and no people in in attendance were allowed to speak of it. So, what you That's not secret? That's not what secret means? So what you're saying is this funeral was strictly confidential. <laughs> it was, but that's great. Like they're saying, no, it wasn't secret. It was private and no one who was there was allowed to talk about it. And it was done completely without, it, they basically described the most secretive event that you can possibly have. So yeah. the um, forest lawn officials refused to disclose any details of the funeral or disposition of the body, stating only that Mr. Disney's wishes were very specific and had been spelled out in great detail. He wanted to be frozen. 
Well, let's go back to uh, – I'm with you on that. Uh, let's go back to what Mental Floss was saying, and this, they, they point to this interview from, the, from 72, the head of the cryonics lab, that he's the nail in the coffin. He says, yeah, he was interested, but they didn't go for it. So how – okay. <laughs> Man, there's so much to unpack here. Yeah. First of all, he says, I personally have seen his ashes. What are you talking about? His funeral is held in secret. And even when you go to a funeral where someone's been cremated, they don't pass the bowl, like the urn around for you to look at it. It's a very personal, it's family only. How, and you, don't, you weren't even like personal friends with the family. You were a dude in California who was studying cryonics. How have you personally seen his ashes? And at the funeral, the point of the funeral is to put the ashes in the ground. Yeah, which I know he wasn't invited to. And then um, another argument, he says that uh, unfortunately, Disney, he should have written it down. Like he was interested he didn't put it in writing, and his family didn't follow through with it. So you're telling me he, says he was reached by Disney Studios? So according to this guy, the Disney Studios and several members of Disney Studios reached out with specific questions asking for specific details about the lab, and everyone within this lab knew about it, but for some reason his family, who was very near and dear to him, didn't know that he was interested, but all these other people did? The defenses against Ray's are so much more suspicious to me. <laughs> it's bizarre. Like, the, the more I look into reasons why it's obviously a hoax or it's obviously a playground rumor, the more I start to believe it. So this guy, this guy's a dick, right? <laughs> I don't know. I've never met him personally. Okay, but like, like, you know, certain people that you've never met are dicks, right? Yeah. Like, sure. I, I think this guy is the kind of person that like, so like, basically what he's saying is that Walt Disney really, really wanted to be cryogenically frozen, really, yes. really wanted all of this, did a ton of research, asked in-depth questions. His staff asked in-depth questions on his behalf, and everybody knew he wanted to be frozen. Well, everyone within that specific circle of the laboratory and people that were directly in contact with Disney at Disney Studios, yes. They knew he was interested. And the timeline works out so nice, too. I know what your point, like, you, I know, I think I, the point you're getting to, and... uh was that why didn't he like let anyone know? Like why didn't he contact the family? Is that what no, you're trying no, to do? No, no, no. The point I'm getting to is that this dick at the labs is just like, well, he didn't put it in writing. I guess we can't cryogenically freeze him. <laughs> instead, <laughs> no, think... instead, let's cryogenically freeze my uncle George because he's about to die, and I care way more about him. Yeah, well, that that's not the timing is crazy. Okay, just before two the... weeks. Yeah, two weeks later. Wouldn't, says, wouldn't, Ooh, just missed it. Ooh, just Walt missed it. Wouldn't Disney have been the perfect candidate for this? Yeah. And he says, like, oh, it would have been a real shot in the arm for Cryonics. Uh, it, it ended up being that anyway. And plus, Cryonics was already, like, pop culture stuff. There's an episode of Scooby-Doo, season two, episode three, Scooby's Night with a Frozen Fright, where they find a caveman frozen in a block of ice. This is pop culture stuff. Yeah. They didn't, well, they didn't need Disney, like... I, yeah. like, his argument that they would have told the world about it because it needed more publicity also has no legs. And that, that was back when Scooby-Doo was running on the Discovery Channel, too. Yeah, that's right. Although in that episode, I think they unfreeze the caveman by just like a hairdryer or something. Yeah. But he was great. He was fine, You know by what? The way. You know what? I think it was unwise of Disney to buy Star Wars. They should have bought Scooby-Doo. <laughs> that caveman just rolls up and, uh, and he just pops out, starts saying some... Really hateful stuff, but, uh, you know, he's literally from a different time. Yeah. That, uh, do we know the name of the, 
the fella who got to be cryogenically frozen? Oh, yes, we do. You have to give me one second to look it up because he's just some dude, though. The first corpse to be cryopreserved was that of Dr. James Bedford in 1967. So December, late December, Disney dies. Very beginning of that next year, James Bedford, American psychology professor at the University of California. Remember, the cryogenics lab is in California. Mm-hmm. His, he's the first body to be cryopreserved after legal death. Not the uh, theoretic whatever, I already forgot what it was called, the fancy word that would have made me sound smart if I remembered it just now. Oh, theoretic, or no, uh, information theoretic death. Yes, so legal death, yes, um, but he was, he was frozen quickly enough that they assume his brain is in great shape, uh, and he's still frozen today, but yeah, the, um, it seems like, and this is, I don't think that James Bedford is a alias for Walt Disney, I don't think that this, this is an invented person, this is clearly a real person, but... Like I said before, the timing clearly proves like they successfully froze someone within weeks of Disney's death. So the idea that they could have done it before then is not so far-fetched. So you're assuming you're assuming that both of them are cryogenically frozen there? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. How soon after the funeral was Bedford hypothetically frozen? When did the funeral happen? The funeral? Okay, yeah. So Disney died on December 15th. Is that what you said? Uh, yeah, he yeah. died on the 15th. December 15th, 1966. See, you're, um, and you had suggested that the, there could have been a swap for Disney's ashes. I'm saying that it's, it's really, it would be really, really atypical for, like, people don't need to see people's ashes for, like, proof of death. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, like, that's why we have death certificates. Right. That's the whole reason he's we have death certificates. He's saying that he was crem- cremated, but the I man mean, has the power to forge such a document. It might kind of, I mean, that kind of is along the lines of, like, like if I want to lie about something... I'm going to add extraneous details to where you know what I'm lying about. So, like, if I'm lying, yeah, exactly. like, like, I bought three pairs of shoes this weekend when I really only bought two, I would tell you a lot about the third pair. I didn't buy any shoes this weekend, but that's my example. <laughs> this is crazy. I feel like I, I completely get what you're saying, whereas, like, they're uh, entirely, like, the whole argument is that there isn't really a counter-argument. And it also, which is my a- original intention was to discover where this rumor came from, there's so many factors that fall together so nice and neat, right? He yeah. knew he didn't die. He didn't die in a car accident. He knew he was going to die. He got the news he was going to die soon. Cryogenics was in the news. He had been reading about it for a few years. The actual science of cryonics we know now was extremely close to successfully freezing a body, if not having already done it. His funeral was held in secret. I don't buy their definition. <laughs> I don't know what what, me, what mental floss uh, describe, or this is actually Snopes. I don't know their definition of secret, but what they defined was definitely secret. Yeah. Um, the the Disney's health was also kept a secret. The decline of his health when he went to when he went into the surgery. This is a fact. He was the the press release said that he was going to a treatment of an old neck injury he received while playing the piano. That was the official statement. And then when he went back into the hospital. Two weeks before his death, the official statement was that he was going to a routine post-op. So the public had no idea he was in poor health. He suddenly dies. There is no body because he was apparently cremated. His funeral wasn't even announced until after the fact. And it was done in secret and quickly. Do you think his and family then, Do you think his family even knows that he's down there? <laughs> well, apparently they are offended by the rumor and have done everything they can to dispel it and that's the the where i want to wrap so this conversation don't. up and lead it to is 
why is this a scandal? And this kind of goes back to what I talked about earlier. Like, why is this a conspiracy, right? And if, I mean, it's a playground rumor, but if someone says, nana, nana, boo, boo, your grandfather's cryogenically frozen. Like, how is that hurtful? That's the coolest shit ever, right? Right. Like, that would be incredible. Huh. I get, and I'm guessing that, go, that the science is still not concrete. We still don't have a way to revive people who are cryogenically frozen. So when it was first brought into popularity in the 60s, Maybe then it was considered ridiculous. Maybe, maybe the idea was like, oh, he's, he's dumb because he believes that it's possible. Maybe that's the negative connotation. I'm just trying to find what would be negative about people believing that you were frozen and why it's something that the Disney family feels they need to directly combat. Yeah, like, why is that worse than being dead? I <laughs> know, yeah, exactly. I also, like, I, I want to strongly, strongly let everybody know that we both know that just because there aren't a lot of good arguments against a theory doesn't make that theory true and yeah. just because a lot of interesting things happen to a line doesn't make that theory true but i definitely think he's under there <laughs> i guess really i was expecting to be more concretely assured that this was fake and it was a surprise to me to find how shaky and how bizarre all of the circumstances and all of the defenses against are isn't that just kind of the theme of this show though yeah i guess so i guess that's just kind of <laughs> I guess that's just kind of where all conspiracies come from. I mean, okay, so is there any is there any like backing to the belief that he's under the the Pirates of the Caribbean ride, or is that I have no idea where that came from. Because, I have not <laughs> I have no idea. I'm gonna be honest. I am a grown twenty three and a half year old adult. The Pirates of the Caribbean ride is so much fun. <laughs> yeah. And so I think that it might have to do with just the fact that like it's a beloved Disney creation and it's spooky enough. To where you can't see like all the corners, it's dark and stuff. Yeah. So like he could be hidden underneath there. Like like instead of having your ashes spread in the mountaintops near where the home you grew up in, mm -hmm. he he so beloved those clanky animatronic pirates that he was like, you have to bury me with the pirates. That's my Walt Disney impression. Keep me alive. All, Keep me alive with, with Captain Jack. <laughs> <laughs> All the videos with Walt Disney were dubbed to make him sound more friendly. Yeah, he was a heavy smoker, so basically his last words Welcome were... Welcome to the land of imagination. His last, his last words were, I love Captain Jack. <laughs> <laughs> well, he literally has no will, so what are we supposed to do with this? Well, we, he likes Captain Jack. Let's put him with that ride. Yeah. Oh, he's going he's gonna to get all rotten and stinky down there. We better freeze this boy because... Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> I didn't really leave you with anything to respond with. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know that you were expecting me to deliver your punchline. No. <laughs> I don't think that's typically how joke, jokes work. Like, We've been friends long enough that when I go down a line of thought that doesn't have a reasonable conclusion or a logical punchline, that you should be able to pick up the slack for me. I want to peel back the curtain for everybody else just for a second, though, and let them know that I'm not standing in front of you. And so there's not like, <laughs> it's not like there's like, Asher's like sweeping his arms and that's because and pointing uh, at me or anything like uh, it's peeling just, back the curtain on you peeling back the curtain on you I was wildly swinging my arms and it makes me think that maybe this should be a video call <laughs> I think it'd be a lot harder if Stevie Wonder was playing basketball and somebody threw him an alley-oop and he couldn't see it you know what I'm saying yeah that's a good way to tie it all back to it's a good way to tie it all back but what we know is that Stevie Wonder could see it and so that's why he could alley-oop did you, did you not hear that, or was it just not funny? <laughs> well, that was funny. Yeah, I know. I said... I, said <laughs> I did hear it. It's not that it wasn't funny. I just didn't laugh. I thought that was a... I think that's a good, like, 
like safeguard for bad comedy in this podcast is I can just be like, so uh, did that not did that not make it across or was it just not just not a good joke? Because then you have to keep my joke in there. So final question. Do you want to be cryogenically frozen Jackson Gressley? I do. I mean, I'm not I'm not going to die. So. Oh, OK. Well, that's a solid game plan. I am definitely going to die. If you looked at what I had for dinner tonight, you would know that I uh, I'm doing very little to preserve my body. Was it pizza rolls? It might have just been worse than pizza rolls, Jackson. But we're gonna say it's pizza rolls for my uh, public image. All right. Well, I, I've done a lot of I've done a lot of thinking, and I've just decided I'm never gonna die. And so, uh, well, can we reel it back a second and just talk about how, when you want to die, you want to be actually frozen, thrown into the water, and then found by Sokka and Katara to become the Avatar? Yes. Okay. That's so much to ask. I better put it in my will though, because otherwise yeah. I'll just be cremated. You convinced well, me. Hopefully, hopefully, I've convinced you. I'm not totally convinced, but I'm definitely. It definitely seems more credible than I ever thought before. Hopefully, everyone at home has taken some time to actually consider this playground rumor in a more objective and scientific way. And uh, why don't you tell us what you're going to talk about next week, Jackson? What are you going to bring to me? So next week, I am going to bring to you. How do I phrase this? Uh, I'll just I'll just get right to the punch. Next week, I'll be sh- uh, showing you how the Freemasons stopped an alien species from invading the 2012 Olympics. <laughs> oh, is that all? Yeah. Well, what are we going to do with the other th- 25 minutes? All right, well, until then... <laughs> <laughs> until then, this has been Strictly Confidential. Our theme song is Threadbare off the album Bearman of Proof. That's from Glenn Merle, our friend Thomas. He made that song. You can check out his music at glenmerlemusic.com. Or listen to his music on Spotify, iTunes, those other good music streaming services. Yeah, I think it's on Google Play too, probably. I mean, I don't... Probably. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, if you liked what you heard here, uh, we've got a couple more episodes before this and a ton more on the way. Uh, you can find us on iTunes or Spotify. I don't know why I'm saying that. You're listening to this. If you uh, want to follow us, we're posting pretty frequently on Instagram and Twitter. And our Instagram is Strictly Confidential Show. And our Twitter is S Confident Show. Uh, I think that's all we've got. Uh, Thanks for listening. Tell your friends, leave us a review, and as always, stay Stay curious. curious. Hey, Jeremy, can we get the ASMR filter on that one? Sweet, thanks.